This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So as we figured out yesterday on the uh, aborted pod, some of the events like you and I just cannot really talk about. And it's not really anybody's fault. It's just the mood is such that it's almost like a trap to talk about certain things. It's almost like, have you stopped beating your wife yet? Yeah. What are you going to answer to that? It's just you have to reject the premise of the question. The premise of the question is, what's your opinion on this situation? You, have, you must have an opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well said. And yeah, no, it was tough. Uh, it's a tough, obviously sensitive subjects going on. And it's, I, I don't know, I have so million thoughts going through my head and, um, yeah, I, I can't grasp it myself. So let alone, you know, talking, talking it through, through stuff with you helps in a way, but yeah, it's, I don't know. There's landlines as well. I, I would just say my biggest take on this is trust in yourself and who you are. Like you, you have your beliefs, you have your observations, you have what you think is true at least in my opinion, that's presumptively valid. Like I trust myself. I trust my opinions. I'm not going to co-opt the religion du jour. I'm not going to be pressured into reciting certain things or saying certain things, or I, I'm always just going to go with what I think is true. At the same time, I, I feel like, you know, I, I'm not going to opine on things that I don't need to opine on. I don't need to have an opinion on every single situation. And I just, I realized that today I was thinking about it. I was like, you can just reject the question. This, other people can debate this particular thing, but but I'm not going to be told what to think, what to believe. I'm going to try to just stick with what is, is true for me. And other people have different beliefs than I do, and that's fine. And, and I, I think like it's an attitude of tolerance, basically, of differences. And that's that, you know? I, I just want to tell people, like, don't feel that you have to conform. And I was talking about this yesterday. I read this book where this guy was talking about city dwellers, and he was saying because they're around other people all the time, their beliefs all become the same. They're always sort of, they need to get along because there's so many awkward exchanges when you're around people all the time. If you and somebody else have totally different belief systems and that comes out, it makes business dealings and interactions awkward. But if you all have kind of the same belief and you're around each other, you can sort of, so you all kind of, you know, coalesce around a certain belief system, uh, whatever's the safest thing to believe at the time. And, and the guy was arguing, this is a book from like the seventies quoting a prior book from the sixties, 
but saying that those people had lacked character because they didn't have their own individual. They hadn't differentiated themselves from the herd. They hadn't formulated their own convictions about life. Um, and it was very fragile. And there was sort of a, a dislike of themselves. There was no satisfaction in that because they knew they were constantly putting their, you know, their idiosyncrasies on hold to fit in. And I think Twitter can do that to people. And I think that, uh, that it's really important to hold your own ground and say, you know, I think what I think. I may be wrong. I may have misunderstandings or flaws as a human being, but I'm not going to just adopt something to get along. Yeah, no, I, I like it. And um, yeah, man, it's just weird times. And, and, and yesterday was weird. That one's for the ages in the vault. But um, I love you, Liz. And um, yeah, man, this is just, uh, there's a lot of other stuff I want to, you want to talk about. But uh, how much I stand with for ju- racial, uh, the end of uh, systemic racial injustice. Because I kind of think that's the default among people I know. Nobody's for systemic racial injustice. Nobody seems to be for that, that I happen to know. But so everybody stands against that, you know, on Twitter. And okay, great. We stand against systemic racial injustice. Great. Okay, you tweeted that. Congratulations. Amazon's tweeting that. We're all tweeting that. If people just said, I'm not spending a dime at Amazon, Apple, Nike, and five other main companies, giant companies, until there's no shootings by police of, of unarmed black people who, you know, not suspected of, you know, are not doing a crime or murders where the guy's got his knee on his throat for nine minutes. That shit would end tomorrow. Those companies would it's make sure. Sh- you're saying, yeah. Right, of course, you. yeah. of course. Yeah. And, and so the question is, you know, this is kind of like the whole baseball thing. It's kind of like the players. Oh, the owners are so mean. You know, it's they don't do a good deal and da da da. And they, they make all this money and they don't care about the players. Or the players can just be like, you know what, screw you, we're going to start our own league, and it's going to probably not do very well at first, but we don't care, we're done, go get some new players. It's all about leverage. It's not about wokeness. It's about leverage. You can All this stuff, all it does is dissipate the uh, spirit of it because people think they've done something good, and yet you're still buying the stuff from the corporations that make the laws, that hire the harsh enforcement, that direct that enforcement toward poor people, many of whom are minorities, and bear the brunt of it. I mean, you can't, it's like, what is the cause of the system? What is the system? That's the question. I get what you're saying. It's like, yeah, it's all hypocrisy and it's fake, the message. They don't believe it, you're saying. Yeah, I hear you. That is I, I think people genuinely believe, I think everybody, even the most woke pretender poser guy, genuinely in his heart of hearts is against systemic racial injustice. I think people genuinely even the you know the most nutless monkey dude who's always just trying to seem like the nicest guy even that guy except the most sociopathic which is rare really doesn't want to see you know innocent black people being killed by police that is a terrible thing i think most people just agree about that that's a horrible thing that should never happen uh, in any society especially a civilized society it should never happen and i think everyone agrees i don't think that's controversial the question is whether uh, being made to say the mantra over and over again, uh, or you know, mouth some platitudes, uh, is the answer, or whether figuring out well, what is the system in which this systemic racial injustice exists, and putting pressure at the pressure points that actually hurt. Yeah, uh, that to me is the question, right? And, and yeah. you know, how about you know, buying Bitcoin, opting out of the the banking system. I mean, this kind of stuff starts to erode. I mean, I mean, who are the police protecting? 
Who's making yeah, the I saw, laws? I saw a tweet say the looters, you know, what are you doing looting? You should be buying stocks and bonds like the real criminals. Right. That's absolutely because the Fed is basically socializing huge amounts. They're diluting the dollar, which is everybody's dollar. Everybody, poor and rich, we all use the dollar. They're diluting it and they're siphoning it into the people who own assets. It's just, it's looting on a scale. These looters are amateurs. These guys with the, you know, the, the masks and hoods and baseball bats who are breaking some windows and grabbing some stuff. Those are, that's low rent looting. The professional, Steve Mnuchin and his buddies and the BlackRock guys who got directed the bailout funds and directed it through their own company to buy their own holdings, that's professional looting, dude. They're looting by the billions and trillions. You're looting by the hundreds and thousands, not even thousands usually. So, you know, that's, to me, that's the bigger thing. And the other thing about... Um, the tragic thing that happened with George Floyd is that we've seen that happen before, right? We've seen it happen the last 10 years. Ever since we saw smart, we've got smartphones, we've seen horrible videos. And yet there weren't riots. So the rioting can't just be about that because that's an incident that as horrible as it was, has happened many times. If a year ago, let's just go back a year in time, 2019, and some dude's like throwing a brick through your window and you're like, dude, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, Racial injustice has just gotten out of hand. I'm throwing this brick. Imagine in June of 2019, someone throws a brick through your store and says racial injustice is out of hand. He wouldn't be wrong. He wouldn't be wrong. There was plenty of... It's not like there's more racial injustice because of this last thing. There was plenty of it before. But we would have been like, dude, you're an insane person. I'm calling the cops. You're an insane person. This is not sane. But somehow, this was... The straw that broke the camel's back, and everybody's going in. But I think part of the reason people are so on edge is, A, they've been cooped up with this quarantine, and B, they've lost their jobs, and meanwhile, the rich people are looting the entire system. Well, it's a perfect storm because, A, we are fed up. We have seen enough videos of those by now that just be horrific, and this one was as bad as it gets. I mean, what is going on with four people watching for so long? I mean, just awful. They they finally charged those dudes for – I mean – there's yeah i mean again i don't want to get too much in the details of this particular case it's like yeah no but i just want to say hold on but you're right the 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 the, the, not only the the the, there's a pandemic people have been locked up in their house for three months and those bailout checks didn't hasn't there some people predicting this is what's going to happen the unrest when it money just ended up going to the top right after that triple up or whatever the effect was i mean this is just a perfect storm of of everything that's happening right right and and now the response is a whole nother and a whole nother concern well i assume there'd be unrest i didn't know there'd be a you know, a racially this. tinged murder by the police. But I, I assume there's going to be unrest. I mean, I, I guess something has to trigger it, whether it's that or some other event. But I assume there'd be unrest because of the, the inequality is just so gigantic. And yeah, people are cooped up. And, and, you know, we mentioned this yesterday too, that in the Middle East, you know, there's a lot of terrorist recruits and you're like, who the hell would join ISIS? Like what, no matter how like poor or desperate you were, like, why the hell would you join ISIS? And it was until I read that book, um, The Courage to Be Disliked, where they're talking about that a fundamental human need, it's just fundamental, is to contribute. Like, people need to contribute. You're not going to be a satisfied, uh, fulfilled, happy person. Not even happy. You're going to be a miserable person if you can't contribute. And imagine you're, you know, between 19 and 25, and you got, you know, peak testosterone, and you're like, got this energy, but... You either get a shitty job or got fired from that job, laid off from that job, not a whole lot of prospects of growth. The market, the housing, anything that you would want that's valuable is uh, accelerating, inflating out of reach based on the, the Fed's printing. 
Your wage is basically just buying you subsistence living at best. You lose your job. You're standing around. You have to consume food. You take up space. You're unwanted. You're unable to contribute. Then uh, some horrible group says, hey, we've got a mission for you. We've got something. And you start training and working out. That's how they recruit those guys in those countries. And hopefully it's not as desperate here yet. But, you know, you're like, why are people running around looting? It's because I think they feel like they've been left behind. They've been left out of not just the money, but just like any sense of being needed or useful. You become a burden. You're just like consuming and, and you're a burden to society. And there's no connection between you and something meaningful. And so then you have this sort of, then you all have all this energy, all the testosterone, and there's a bunch of you, and you're like, let's go do this shit. I mean, I can relate to it. I don't think it's right. I don't think they should be doing it. But I understand pent-up rage while everybody else is like living it up. And and, and they may not know the details of the Fed and the money printing, but it's, the inequality is is palpable now. It's getting more and more ridiculous. Right. I know. I was going to say, yeah, exactly. You may not know the the details, but it's, it's, it's clear and where do we go from here, though, Liz? That's that's really I want to know what your opinion is. What happens next, or I mean, or I guess what you think should happen? Well, I mean, what should happen? Well, I don't know. We're in a huge mess. I mean, we have so much debt, and I think um, infrastructure. You know, UBI and and jobs building stuff that's going to be around for the future generations. So even though we're going to debt, we have something to show for it. Uh, I mean, this is what the government should be doing. I mean, it's too late. We, we've damaged you know, these developers, these private equity people, destroyed so much. And it's like we need to live in a society where there's green spaces and outdoors and fresh air and and meaningful living, you know, where people can garden if they have nothing else to do. They can grow vegetables. They have a plot that they can use. There's something, you know, where they could have something that's like decent and humane and, and wholesome in their lives. But I, I think we're so far, the ship has sailed so far past that point that I almost don't really think, you know, the policy making I'm going to leave it to somebody else and just sort of individuals have to take care of their health. Yeah. I, I would buy Bitcoin well, personally, you know, who knows, but I'd buy Bitcoin, take care of my health, take care of my beliefs. Like, don't get sucked into this drama. Don't get sucked into it, man. You don't have to have an opinion on this stuff. You can just stay out of it and just trust in your own good heartedness just say you know i trust in my beliefs i trust in looking at what's true i'm not going to be told by a religious person you must believe in christianity and you must believe in these precepts i'm not going to let somebody tell me what i need to believe and i'm not going to let somebody tell me you need to believe this about white people and black people and brown people and other people you need to believe these things no you're not going to tell me what to believe i may be wrong i may be totally off base but I'm not going to be told and bullied into believing and saying stuff unless I believe it's true. That's it. I'm not going to be able, I'm not going to be reciting some religious stuff because the religious people say, oh, no, no, you're going to go to hell if you don't do that. You're going to be a very bad person if you don't do this communion and do this and that. Whatever the Jewish thing is, even though I'm Jewish, I'm not religious in that way. Or whatever the Buddhist thing is, or whatever the anything thing is, I don't, I reject it. I don't, I'm not going to be told what to think. I'd rather just be wrong. I'd rather just be wrong. I'd rather be mistaken. I'm a flawed human being. I'd rather be mistaken. You're not going to make me believe the religion. That's it. That's it. You can believe it. You can say what you want. That's up to you. I'm not going to tell other people what to believe. They can believe what they want. To me, that's tolerance. You can call it what you want. 
Well said, Liz. All right. That's well said. And for bigger picture, maybe you, you, you touched on it, but localizing does seem to be a possible answer. But yeah, man. All right. Do you want to move on to something else? You want to talk about uh, some emails I sent you about Epstein or, or, or what, what, what or are we done or what? Oh, Epstein's uh, the shape of his anatomy that, that, you, that you felt it was necessary to send me the uh, interview with him when he walks away angrily during the documentary. Yeah, I watched four hours of documentary, sent you the funniest 90-second clip, and you responded. You were, your delicate sensibilities were very uh, nervous. Back in the day, back in the day, we used to you know, go to labor, sit in a hotel room together, and you would just tell awful stories. But apparently you're domesticated, and now you're very offended. And I apologize. I'll, I'll note it. I, I, wasn't, I was not offended. I just – you sent me a clip of Epstein being questioned about the shape of his anatomy, and he, got, he left in a huff. Egg shaped, egg shaped was the answer to it, and okay, uh, so you know and I said, oh, I, I, all I said was, oh, so uh, is there some reason you felt this was, and it was there was no context. You were not like, hey, this is the, you just sent me this clip. I'm like, and so I watched the clip, and and then I was like, is there some reason that I needed to see this that you felt I needed to see this? So funny. Uh, no, I, I, I appreciate the response, but. Uh, so even yesterday, a Palm Beach judge uh, is poised to dismiss an effort to unseal Epstein documents based on legal technicality. But of course, another legal technicality. Right. I mean, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, the lies stack up with lies. I mean, how about the fact that if you were going out of your house with COVID during the era of COVID, you were a murderer. You were murdering old people. You were literally a murderer. And there were, uh, there were lockdowns and it was illegal to be in places without a mask. And now suddenly there's like 50,000 people, half of whom have no masks, in close proximity, rioting. And the same people who were so concerned a minute ago, like two weeks ago, about the virus are like, this is important. It's their well, the rights. Government, yeah, the government leaders are actually telling you to go out and do it. Right. Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. It it's is really just, the opposite of what they were asking. Again, I, I don't even need to take a position on which one is right or wrong. Maybe they're right to be concerned. Maybe they're right to... People should have their rights, and what I, it's not about that for me. It's about, dude, how little credibility must you have if literally this is a life and death problem, and now it's not even you know it's not even a consideration. It's it just it's. Uh, don't you think the stakes for life and death? They'd be telling you that this still would be a thing. Again, I I think everybody well, should decide for themselves. So, if you want to go protest, protest. If you want to break property. I, I still think there should be criminal penalties for that. I, I just think it's, you know, somebody's property. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously like less sympathetic to the corporate, the chase branches than I am to small businesses. But even so, like, there's no way for people to have a society if somebody can just destroy what you've built uh, without oh, repercussion. Yeah. I mean, to yeah, me, that's yeah, just yeah. A, that's an obvious thing. Yeah. And people Build encouraging that, yeah. that are just. They wouldn't be. They just don't think it's going to come home to roost for them. Anyone who's encouraging that, I hope those people go to your home and, and set it on fire and break windows and see how you feel about it. You know, I mean, you're not going to like that. Uh, no, I'm with you there in the property damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no question. Yeah. Um, oh, I look, the, the side note on the on your COVID thoughts right now. I, I've read that ICU beds are picking up. Obviously, we see these mass gatherings. I just watched a three minute clip of Vegas reopening. Right. Oh, and, I saw uh, that. There are girls dancing on, on the tables wearing uh, face masks. I mean, it is quite a scene, man. What What are your thoughts on what's what that's going to mean for the future? I mean, anything. I mean, maybe, I, I mean, think, maybe I the government response suggests that they were were not as concerned as they really were. You know, I don't I don't know really what to take of the message. I think there's a lot of fraud and a lot of politicization of, of all this stuff. It's just embarrassing. The whole chloroquine thing where that whole study is a fraud. They, that is crazy, just, man. Uh, I know there's other reports have since come out that maybe it doesn't help, but wow, that is the biggest fraud. Just completely made up uh, results. That's unbelievable. 
I mean, a total fraud that like New York Times and Lancet are all reporting like it's fact. And oh, we well, they talk- retracted. Lancet just retracted. Even. Uh, well, they had busted. to. They had to. Yeah. They were busted. They took a long no. time to retract. But, you know, and the whole thing is it's so politicized that the level of respect that we have for the institutions is just it's it's below zero. I mean, how can you respect any of these institutions, these newspapers, these these medical journals, these government officials? I'm honestly embarrassed how naive of a human being I was six months ago. It's like, it's like embarrassing like, well, to, to how naive I was. To, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Well, just about 10 years ago, out. 10 years ago. I mean, I mean, we talked about this. It's like you put, you think you're out of the matrix and then there's like, no, even that's the matrix. There was a great um, Rick and Morty where like Rick is like dealing with some alien. You ever watch that show? Oh yeah, I've watched, some, I've watched it. Yes, he's like in some alien civilization, and he's like got like the nuclear codes of his special fission thing or whatever he has, and he like escapes from them, and he's in the spaceship, and he's like, okay, I'll type in X Y Z Q A N. Okay, and then the aliens come out like simulation, and they like rip the wall off. They're like, you thought you were getting away, but you're just in a simulation. Now we have the codes. He's like, damn it. And then like, he like finally really does get away and he's in this ship and they're like simulation. They rip it again. And that's how I feel. But then they're like, they get the code, but it's a code that blows them up actually. So he actually knew he like double crossed them. But I feel like you think you're out of the matrix and yet you're still just in another part of the matrix. And it's, it's just incredible. And it's hard to trust anything. And that's why like, I just think like, be super skeptical, super independent. Don't fall for this stuff. I mean, who knows what's an operation or what's what? It, it, you got to be an empathetic, good person to all people. You got to be a good person and then trust in yourself. And you don't have to go along with the latest thing. You know, nobody's going to save you. And you're not going to go to hell if you don't do this thing. You don't need, you're not, if you recite the certain mantra, you're not going to go to heaven. I, Drew Brees. It was so funny because Drew Brees gets asked the question and he goes to the old playbook that was bulletproof. He goes to the, the flag and the troops, right? That used to work. 2001, oh, the flag and the troops, the flag and the troops. And he thinks he's good. He thinks he's, he thinks, you know, he's not splitting the atom, Drew Brees. So he thinks that he's got this because he's flagging the troops. He knows what to go to. He knows the things to play. And everyone's like, dude, you are not sensitive at all. You are a monster. Da, 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 da. So now he had to retract that. So he, he, he just he downloaded the wrong one. He downloaded the wrong Can I uh, still butt in and say, though, what a monster Kaepernick is for peacefully protesting all this stuff? Oh, uh, Kaepernick's uh, a monster. How dare he? What's well, so messed up is everybody who, paid, who really even paid any attention to the actual story was like, he's protesting police brutality. And the person who told him to kneel was a military was a military person, and 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 he's protesting police brutality. And he said it from the beginning, and it was just like a very quiet thing, right? It wasn't like he wasn't making a lot of noise. But then the propagandists got a hold of it and were like, "He's disrespecting the troops and the flag and the anthem." And so many people now that they're being forced by, you know, the mob to recant. They're like, "Oh." I thought he was against the flag and the troops. I didn't realize he was just pr- protesting, uh, protesting police violence. Well, dude, I mean, that's what happens is this Twitter and headlines. Yeah, yeah. Shows a locker room for the last three years with many people he could have listened to about what the protest was about. Well, dude, you know, it's too late. You know, his career's over and that he's not going to get that back. And so you can't, that he got some money for it, but you know, if you're a player, you want to play football and that's the thing you've done your whole life. And, perfected he's one of the 20 best players in the world in his position it's like horrible to be taken that taken away from you but 
at the same time, I actually think that there's something that's missing from a lot of the Twitter discussion, which is like Kaepernick actually took a stand. Like we could say Kaepernick took a stand. Why? Because it cost him something. It cost him a lot. It cost him a lot. So he took a stand, right? He did something. He took a stand and it cost him. And okay. It's sad that it cost him. It's unfair that it cost him, but it cost him and that's taking a stand. But if you're on Twitter just saying the stuff that you're going to get 100 likes and everybody in your circle and your job is going to approve of it, how can that be considered taking a stand? It doesn't cost you anything. In fact, it helps you. Yeah, no, that, that is true. And it does help you. That, right. Most of the time, obviously. Right. Yeah. They're, they're, I'd like to think they also believe mostly celebrities, but I hear exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's 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 probably mostly disingenuous. I mean, it, it, they again, I think people genuinely are against systemic racial injustice. I think everybody is pretty much against that unless you're just a total douche. But you're not taking a stand by doing something that costs you nothing. Talk is cheap. It's free. It costs you nothing. It's helping you to say this stuff career-wise and the perception of you. Imagine like the abolitionists that smuggled slaves from south to north and the risk they took. Imagine the Germans who hid Jews from the Nazis. That is taking a stand for something. If you get caught hiding a Jew and, and the Nazis catch you, they're going to kill you. That, that's taking a major stand to do the right thing. So, you know, I, you know, Kaepernick wasn't that level, but it was still a pretty high level. He lost his whole career to take that stand. And you can say what you want about Kaepernick or what you think his motives are, and a lot of people have theories about it. But I don't know. To me, that seems like a legit stand. You, you took a big stand. It cost you a lot. And I just can't. You know, and now we're, there's there are literal riots over the same very thing in which he was trying to bring light of years ago. Right. I mean, that's I mean, what I I'm think, trying to even say, too. I mean, it's even crazier that and that in hindsight. And the NFL is like getting on the bandwagon now, like trying to say the woke shit. But like, oh, yeah, you can bet people are going to be kneeling in the NBA restarts, man. I mean, this is going to be a, a normal thing. But I, I, I will say that I again, like I think this is the straw that broke the camel's back. And, and there's also some like instigators too. Like there's bricks being left at sites. Like, yeah, what is going on with that? I see okay. people with earpieces on too. Supposedly, like you know, and then one guy supposedly was a, a cop or something who broke, was was caught starting it. And yeah, the bricks and the can canisters of gasoline is that real? I don't. I mean, look, you know, I, I'm very skeptical. Of what's real? That you know, when when Trump did this little walk, this photo op thing, they're like they they gassed the protesters. They tear gas them on the way out and then they're like that didn't happen and who knows what's true i mean they report one thing and then that's debunked and you're like well i, I the news media is just it's just so hard to trust anything so i don't know you know but from what it seems like is there's legitimate protesters it seems like there's three groups there's legitimate protesters who are like i'm showing my support for this and protesters, by the way, aren't like Twitter protesters. They're actually giving up something. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, for sure. They're yeah. being, you know, they're being, their phones are being surveilled. They're, you know, putting it themselves at risk. That is actually taking a stand to some extent. I mean, you're, you're putting Dude, yourself... during a pandemic. Right, right. The, so that, to me, is, is actually something. Whether you agree with it or not, it's t- it, you can say that is taking a stand. So there's protesters who are like, I want to have, I want to show my face and occupy a, a place to, you know, protest this. And then there's like the rioters who are like, woohoo, like, let's get this, let's break everything. Let's bur- let it burn. You know, this is a bullshit society and this is another instance, let it burn. But then there seems to be opportunists who are like orchestrating more violence and stuff, right? And then on the other side, there seems to be police who are trying to do their jobs, calm it down, 
make sure stuff's not destroyed. And then there seems to be police who are, even when it's peaceful, instigating the violence. A little aggressive, right? right. Yeah. So yeah. there's like five groups, right? And two of them, protesters and police doing their job, you know, protesters just protesting and police doing their jobs are, are fine. That's part of, you know, society. And the other three are problematic, especially the violent police and the, and the operatives, the, um, the people who are opportunists. Trying and, and by the way, you're going to see more of the, uh, the media is going to show more of the bad stuff than the cops kneeling as well. I mean, I love those right. stories too, but you know, I mean, I, I got to admit you go, you find the right Twitter feed. You can watch just the craziest video after crazy video of the last week. I mean, it's just insane. You know, I, I mean, I, you can watch video after video of bricks being put in places, opportunity, like, Oh wow, there's a brick right here by this window. How, how lucky there must be a construction site right there. Those guys, you can watch videos of cops instigating horrible violence. You can watch uh, yeah. videos of looters punching, beating up innocent people, like, you know, really harming people, shooting them or smashing their heads with the concrete, you know, horrible stuff. And honestly, like, it's hard to know what to trust, but it seems like this is bigger than just the cause of it. I think, I mean, I think there's bigger than just one cause of it. I think there's a systemic rot that transcends, it, it includes racism, but it also transcends that. It's, there's been a systemic rot in society for the last, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, and it's starting to come out as, you know, the economy's crashing and stock market's at all-time highs. It's going to go one of two ways, or why, is this only going to get worse, or maybe it's, a, it's something that needed to be addressed, and it was just eventually, it was bound to happen, and it's all happening at once it seems like or or is this just inning two still <laughs> i see what you're saying i think we're in the second inning uh there's a okay. there's a All book right. called the fourth turning you ever hear of that book no anyway it's the fourth turning and fourth. basically says there's like 20 year periods in history and the first 20 years is kind of like after the crisis where it's like you know after world war ii from like 46 to 63 when kennedy was assassinated it was like there was like it was pretty peaceful it's conformist a lot of, you know, the highways got built, a lot of, it, it was a very conformist time, but it was a, you know, there wasn't a lot of tumult. And then Kennedy gets assassinated, we're in the next phase, which is the awakening, according to this book. And the awakening is another 20 years, 60s and 70s, where everyone's like, screw this conformity, I want personal freedom, you have Woodstock, you had the assassinations of Robert F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, you know, it was a tumultuous time, but it was like awakening and hippies and drugs and LSD and free spirit and all this stuff. And then you have like sort of the, the 80s to the 80s and 90s, which is the um, unraveling, where it's like very egotistical and, and greed is good in the 80s and the 90s, sort of the meaninglessness and the run-up of the dot-com bubble. And then the, the guy says it goes to about 2008, or some people think it ended 9-11, but you know, around the 2008 crisis, you have the crisis and uh, the fourth turning, the, the fourth set of the 20-year periods. And this is when, you know, this would be the Depression of World War II. You know, it would be the last one in American history. And now we have COVID-19, the initial crash in 2008, and the subsequent whatever's happening now, these riots. And it transforms the whole world. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be very tumultuous, and I think we're just getting started. There's going to be a different reality on the other side of it. So the, I, I don't, it's just a book, but I, things do cycle. You know, there's cycles in markets, there's cycles in seasons, there's cycles in people's lives, and it just seems like the, the book predicts this, and this is it's happening. I mean, I think we are. This whole thing is 
we're in total crisis and it's going to be a different place when we come out on the other side. It does seem like uh, just when you think it can't get worse, uh, another event says, hold my beer. And uh, I'm sure you've been following, but uh, the old super volcano, oh, yeah. our old friend, is uh, bubbling up right now like uh, never before. So, that, uh, yeah, let's let's bring on a super volcano. Well, that's the mercy killer. The super volcano yeah, is the mercy exactly killer. Kill but the thing about the super volcano, it's give or take like 40,000 years. It's like it could happen tomorrow, but it could happen 40,000 years. So it's not... Right. Right. And, and by the way, if it happens, there's nothing you can do about it. It's not like it's not like humans. All you can do is move as far as away from it as possible. Yeah, California, not far enough. Is California's not yeah. far enough? Yeah. Um, all right. Um, well, I can shift a few other things. Uh, Liz, uh, I know you don't care about uh, the human interest stuff, but I don't know if you just saw right before we started recording, Madeline McCann, who actually had a Netflix special, went disappeared, kidnapped in Portugal years ago. They just found the, the named the, the suspect uh, who was currently serving jail time. But that's pretty wild for how, how long ago that happened and pretty, pretty interesting in that case. But um, I want to also bring up your uh, latest draft. I think you, it was today, so you probably recorded it yesterday. But the, how, in, a, in a draft of fruits and, and vegetables, vegetables jeff erickson takes green beans one and you take tomatoes two. Uh, defend yourselves well i can't defend jeff any of his drafts i mean that's uh that's one of the uh deep embarrassments of my existence i mean there's artichoke asparagus beets cauliflower uh, Brussels sprouts. Ar- artichokes artichokes I, I actually forgot about i actually just yeah, that, tomatoes at least are good for you but i actually don't not, like tomatoes are delicious you have an enemy I hate fresh tomatoes. They're the only two things in the world I don't like the taste of, but that's, uh, they are good for you though, at least. They're not that good for you. They're, uh, the most delicious vegetable, uh, an heirloom tomato, or even just a perfect regular tomato, beefsteak tomato sliced up with some olive oil and salt is one of the most delicious things ever. They go on sandwiches. They're part of your pizza sauce, your pasta sauce, salads. Are the, I mean, tomatoes are huge. I got onions. I got garlic. I got passion fruits. I got chili peppers. You ever eat passion fruits? Okay, so first of all, um, onions actually are good for you. I may have been wrong on tomatoes, but onions actually do have like a hidden yes. source of fiber. No, I actually listened to that and bookmarked that I need to get passion fruit. Dude. I'm not joking. I have it bookmarked right now. That I, you got to get I'm the wrinkled call, ones. Call they got to be a bit wrinkled, they, at least a little bit wrinkled. You don't want them okay. too smooth, uh, and that's not code for anything. And, and well, I was going to say you guys should name and just change your, your name to not code for anything. We, you know, we changed our, our name. You guys said it so much, especially with the Spore one. You should change the XM show to not code for anything. But, but yes, the, okay, wrinkled uh, passion fruit. And one, one thing, do you know the difference between bell peppers' uh, colors? You know what the difference is? You guys are talking green, you know, yellow, and red. Do you know what the difference is between that, that variety? The color. Yeah, do you know what the difference is? The color. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's, it's how long it stays on the on the vine. I mean, is that same true? Exact. No, that's not true. That's yep. that can't be true. Well, you're talking to my my dad grew bell peppers forever. I mean, yes, yes. It's Dude, how long it stays on the. You're vine. saying that it's which is the most ripe, the red or the orange or the yellow? Uh, red is the most ripe, I believe. I don't yeah. think so. I've seen soggy green ones, and I've seen super crisp. You want to bet that a bell pepper, green, yellow, and red? The only I'll, I'll bet you ten bucks. Okay, I'll bet done. you ten bucks. Ten dollars. Okay, done. All okay. right, continue now. You're you had good with strawberries <laughs> and cherries was a good pick. Um, so you did you did better on the fruit you continue though yeah well tomato and avocado were fruits and, and avocados are oh, incredibly right. healthy and delicious and oh yeah that was great that is actually really good in a, in a food speaking to me trying to gain weight that's like the one of the healthiest things to eat to gain oh, yeah. to, looking to gain weight it's avocado the problem is if you have only fat you won't gain weight you'll lose weight like the carbs and fat mix i really think you need sweet potatoes with uh like butter or ghee yeah, I got key. I got yeah. some. Okay, and and on sweet, on sweet potatoes, like just yeah. bake yeah. up like ten of those things, and okay. you know when you actually eat them cold, they're resistant starch, although they won't be as caloric when they're right. cold. 
Right. Okay. All right. Sweet potato. You need, Definitely better. Car- you need carbs, fat, and protein mixed to gain weight. I think. You know, if you're just eating uh, healthy fats, you're actually going to lose weight because you're going to start burning fat. Yeah, that is what I'm doing too. I'm eating like all of a uh, tablespoon of olive oil, <laughs> a tablespoon of coconut oil here and there, and a lot of nut butters. But yeah, yeah I nut don't know butters what. are a little inflammatory. I really think for you, man. I no, 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 no. Only mac- only macadamia. I've looked all into but that. Even only so, but even so, oh, I, hey, forget the omega. It's all about the omega seven. By the way, there's only like two uh, foods in the world that offer that, and it's macadamia is one of okay. them. Forget the omega three. It's omega seven. But anyway, um, I if hear I were you, I'd go. I'd go two or three weeks with just meat and bone broth. And fish. I heard you talk about that on the XM show I'm to get rid of the poison that that, that, that um, greens uh, can. Plants are poison. I mean, plants are medicine because obviously, like a little dose of poison might kill off some crap that's in your system and make you feel much better. Uh, and they have you know minerals and vitamins that are good for you. But I think like just for like two or three weeks, I like, go on pure meat, fast for a day, do meat, a lot of fatty meats and salmon. Wild salmon. Yes, I have a, a whole bunch of that coming. I've ordered wild wild salmon. Yes, that's, and then going to be. And then after that time, you may feel like a million bucks, and then you add in like, okay, I'll just eat like an apple today, and you see if you feel like crap from it. And if yeah. you don't, okay, great, you know that's cool. Then you add like a couple things a day, and you just because there may just be like something. And sometimes, like I was allergic, I had like a sensitivity. I don't know if I still do. I eat them now, but like to blackberries and asparagus, like. 10 years ago. And those are like completely healthy foods. But, you know, everyone has weird autoimmune, allergic, screwed up stuff because we've all been My poisoned. mom tells me I had it tested as a kid and I was off the charts on everything, you know, right. mustard, brown rice, just every, things right. that normal people would well, be the most bland. Right. So, rice, so right. So, like, I mean, even, even like your, you know, mothers have it in, in the womb, you know, so you get like, you know, like, it's just people are poisoned by, by civilization. You know, there's electromagnetic waves, there's metals, there's, there's pollution. I mean, you're inhaling all sorts of crap all the time and it, it builds up in your cells. And so your body, different people get cancer. Some people get serious autoimmune disease or allergies or just inflammation. Everybody deals with it differently, but it might be that because you have some damage from you know just being born in a civilization that that has things and chemicals in it that your ancestors never had to deal with that all sorts of you know would be innocuous things set you off and if you go a few weeks without them and you might like really be able to clean it out and then like gradually reintroduce and then be tolerant of of that stuff so anyway i would just fasting for extended periods eating just meat you might you might find like Wow! Like holy crap! Like the spinach or with the oxalates or something in the in the vegetables was was killing me, and I have like ten times more energy, and I didn't even realize this was the thing. Okay, separate from that, and I and I like that idea totally, and, and I'll do that. Um, what about for maybe afterwards or or in the meantime, trying to gain weight? Um, like a, a, a shake that is consists of like coconut milk and, and the whey protein and this and a bunch of raw eggs, which I asked you about. Yeah, yes, I think it's good. So that is, it's good. Okay. Okay, so yeah, if it's right, all like man. you know the healthy stuff with no sugar, but like eighty grams of protein type shake, or is that not enough? Like I guess it'd be like with some blueberries or something. Is is that sure, okay? Throw, or do you think? Sure, throw those okay. in. I mean, you know, there's all different stuff, and I'm not an expert in like the weight gain or the you know, bodybuilders. You know, want calories and a certain kind of calories and stuff, so they have all different protein shakes. I've never really done that stuff. Oh uh, no, okay, I just wanted to run. Yeah, I mean, the raw yeah. eggs was the main one. I raw was eggs, yeah, yeah, raw. As long as you don't, you know, you get just organic. get good. Yeah, 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 get them from a farm. Get them from somewhere you trust. Okay. 
and I hear you about eating. You need some protein too, more than just from the healthy fats. Uh, but yeah, sweet potato is a good one. To, to I wrote that down too. Yeah. So, um, what else? I'm gonna talk your gambling column. I, I checked that out. I want to talk a little. Oh little yeah, sure. Things. I just wrote that up quickly because I had an idea. You know, you know, you know how to count cards in blackjack, right? You know the basic system. Uh, yeah. Right. The idea. Two through six is plus one. Seven through nine is zero, and tens and aces are minus one. And you count each card that goes by, and if you get a really high plus count, it means there's a lot of aces and tens left and fewer twos through sixes left. And what that means is you're going to get a lot of hands that are like 18 or 19 or 20 or blackjack where you're standing, where you're not hitting, uh, where the optimal strategy is to stand. And when that's the case, you actually have a big edge over the dealer because in blackjack, you, you get paid three to two for a blackjack. You can double down on 11 or 10 or nine against a six or whatever. And you can split. You can do all sorts of things. You can vary your bets. And the dealer is just a robot, has to hit on 16, has to stick on 17. But the dealer's big advantage over you is that if you bust, if you, get a, if you have a 16 and the dealer's got a 10 showing and you, get a, you hit and you get a 10, dealer takes your chips away. And the dealer later flips over a 6 underneath the 10 and then gets a 10 himself, uh, you don't get your money back. It should be a push, right? You both busted. It's a tie, but it doesn't work like that. If you both bust, the dealer wins. That's the dealer's edge. And that's right. a pretty big edge because you know you bust a decent amount of time, and he always wins no matter if he busts. Well, it's it. all margins, right? All edges are just absolute margins, right? Yeah, it's small, but it, but it adds up because you know oh, busting sure. is... So basically, well, the whole point of the card, the card counting is that the dealer only has an edge if you bust in a hand that you have to risk busting. So if the cards that remain, they're better for the dealer too. It's not just better for you. But if they merit sticking, then suddenly the dealer has no edge. You actually have the edge. Because again, you get paid three to two. You can split, double down. You can do different things. So the, the whole way to beat blackjack is to find where the dealer's edge is. When you both bust, you lose. Volatile cards favor the dealer. Stable cards favor you. Figure out the count that gets more stable cards. Get your bet bigger. That's your edge. So how do you apply that to sports betting? That was my question. And this guy, Mitchell Lickman, who's like the guy who wrote the book. He's a sabermetrician for baseball. MGL, super smart guy. Yeah, very smart guy. And he wrote this thread that was basically, it was more in-depth than what I'm going to say here in my article, but I linked to it. But basically, that the book is the, you know, it's the full market of millions of bettors, making these lines and it's it's very tough to beat and also you have to beat the rake 11 to 10 you, you know 110 to win 100 but your advantage is if you have any system where you can find a discrepancy something that's not priced into the market so there's a game that the line seven and you have it at 10 because it's overvaluing the wins of that favorite because of turnovers or something that are lucky you have some system that just has any sort of signal to it that differs uh you get to even if you're just a little bit better, you get to bet your line. You get to bet the, I mean, the market's line and get your edge. So you think it's 10, the market thinks it's seven and you can get it at seven. And so you're getting this three point edge according to your system, which is probably less than that actually. But if it were the other way around and the book could bet into you and get your, you'd be like, okay, I'll take it at 10, bet your line. It would kill you because you would have to do it at your line. Not, you know, it, it's sort of like when you and I differ on players and you're like, I don't know, I'll say, I think Odo Beckham will have 10 touchdowns. You'd be like, all right, over under 10. I'm like, no way I'm going to do that. The market's probably like seven and a half. Why would I have to bet my line? But if you could just bet into my line, you, you're going to crush me. It's way better to pick your spots with the market. Your advantage over the, over the book is that you can choose. That's your advantage. You can choose how much to bet and whether to bet and which games to bet on. And the book's advantage is the rank, 11 to 10. 
If we're the other way around and the book could just have you make lines and bet into you, it would destroy you. And so, no, it's so true. It sounds obvious, but it's not really noted enough. And it's so, I mean, it, yeah, we're forced to pick every game, uh, you know, road wire, but, but let's, hey, we also forced to pick five picks every game super contest. That's the problem, huh? Yeah, but think about it this way. Imagine if we made our own lines and the book got to choose the side of our lines. So it's not even like, even though we have to pick all the games, which is tough, you should never pick all the games. Like you, that's, you're squandering one edge, right? Like we, I don't want to, or even the super contest. You said five is too much. We don't always feel strongly about five. We're squandering another edge there. But imagine how much worse it would be if the book could pick, right, yeah. pick our line. So let's say, you know, the book has it at seven, I have it at 10. They're going to get 10 instead of seven. Yeah, you, you would you would go like you'd have like a forty percent winning percentage against the spread. You'd get killed. So, well, yeah, because the market makes sure their lines are always tight enough. You know, I mean, always close. And if it's off, it'll be corrected immediately. Whereas, who knows us guessing lines? We might be way off the market, even if we're. Gosh, what if you were great at it though? What if you were great at setting your own lines? There's just no way. No, no well, one is better than the market than the market. Well, even Rufus Peabody, who has this you know complex system that he bets tens of thousands right. of dollars he's on, still, he still regresses he, to the market more now. to the market than his more than half, fifty five percent. So, you know, maybe you're better than Rufus. Maybe you have a better system than him. I mean, it's possible, but it's hard. And the thing is, imagine if the market could cherry pick though. It, right. it only picked like it didn't. Just pick the ones you like that differed. It was like, no, I like this one. And I'm going to get extra points on this because we're using your lines. Right. So it's, it's yeah, that's, that's what that's about. And it makes nice. you just yeah. realize, like, if you really want to make money in sports betting, you got to pick your spots. You can't be just, you know, action betting. Yeah. Mitchell Lichtman, co-author of the book, called The Book, which is like the Bible for sabermetricians in uh, baseball. Do you have any other thoughts with, with, uh, with sports? I mean, can, can MLB get their shit together? Um, I love speaking of Paul Spore, he brought up that the Nats were 19 and 31 uh, over, through 50 games last year. That was pretty cool to think about if they make a season that short. Um, what do you think is going to happen? NBA, it looks like it's a go this morning officially. Um, that's going to be pretty damn fun as long as everyone stays healthy and it works. I mean, it could actually be uh, a quietly, like, crazy exciting sports time coming up. Yeah, it could be a lot of sports going on. I mean, I was dubious. I thought the owners were like, screw it. it it's kind of a crap season, right? It's like a short season without fans. Yeah, are you going to do a main event? Oh, yeah. You, okay, would you put in any of your own money up uh, if a uh, season's 80 games? I would probably, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I win. I, I'd we want just to lost ten dollars a couple minutes ago. So well, I'm gonna look that up. I'll look that up. I'll well. send it if I'm wrong. Heather owes me ten dollars because she bet me that it was uh, before five o'clock and it was five fifteen, and so she owed me money. Oh, you're uh, like Jerry Seinfeld or even Steven. Yeah. All right. Except like Heather. Well, Heather. So I pay for a lot of stuff, but now Heather's been making money. And she's been sending me these very large PayPals. I mean, doing these wine write-ups, and she's actually getting a lot of work. Oh, and nice. She, and she sends me these PayPals. And, like, even if I'm mad about something or we're annoyed at each other about some disagreement, if I get a, a sizable PayPal, 1500 bucks or something, I'm like, ooh, I just let that go. You sent yeah, me some cash. You sent me cash. Like, I'm never going to be mad at you again. You know, it's like that kind of cash is – that talks, you know. So um, it's good. She's, she's making some money. She wasn't working for a while, and – it's nice. Well, that's good to hear. Congratulations. That's awesome. That's great. It's a nice uh, second income, though. She's always up late working. She's such a worker. Like she like likes. She just wants to work as much as possible. She'll be like, "No, oh, I don't know. I got to do this. I got to do some an extra hour of work." That's gonna. She thinks of like doing stuff is costing her that work hour. You know, like so. I'm like, all right, keep making money. I'm I'm happy to see it. 
It's opposite of Jay Cutler, who announced on a Kristen Cavalier's reality show. Whatever work is, I'm looking into doing the opposite of that now that I'm retired, is what he announced to the world. But uh, they're divorced nine months later. Anyway, um, so baseball, what is your prediction? Is it going to happen or not? I think it'll happen because the players will cave. I think they just, there's too much there's too much for them to give up, and I don't I don't think they I don't think they're organized enough to they're not unified or organized enough to say no. Basically, they don't have like the <laughs> revolutionary spirit, which I think they should because I think in the end it would it would pan out, but it, it would obviously be terrible for the people doing it at first. But you'd be part of something, you know. They they just want it to be done, so they're going to do it. I think that's my bet, and it'll be like seventy games, and they'll defer some of their money or something, probably or eighty games, you know, something like that. That's my guess. I could be wrong. I could see them just scrapping it because the owners being really tough, because it is just a pain to put this thing on, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's and it's only a half season with no fans, and it's gonna be weird with scheduling and dh rules and minor leaguers 29 men whatever it is it's like a weird thing and i was trying to tell jeff like i mean he wasn't disagreeing actually but i was telling jeff I was like i don't even know what the secondary and tertiary effects are going to be of this weird season like who bumps up how the pitchers work how the closers work how to, it's, it's just so bizarre like we we're trying to remember we we're trying to figure out like the juice ball and the astro cheating and how that's going to affect everything Back in February, we're like, oh, yeah, this this is a tough season because you don't know how juice the ball will be, and then the Astros cheating puts another wrinkle in it. Now we're like, that's like child's play compared to what we're dealing with. Yeah, I almost don't want to say this and keep it to myself, but I'll throw a little Easter egg in at the end of this, if anyone lasts to the end of this podcast. Check out Phil DeSalt's uh, thread on batters versus pitchers in a shortened season. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. It's, it's good stuff. Um, Watch the Epstein doc, watch the Lance Armstrong doc that was actually pretty, pretty interesting. It really was. Uh, I actually found that entertaining. Um, but most importantly, I want to hear your opinion on Better Call Saul, which I've heard, I believe you've caught up on. I love that. I loved it. And, so good. Right? Uh, I love Lalo's right. my favorite dude. Like, that's my favorite. Like, like I, I actually find Saul to be kind of an annoying character. And same with. Uh, Really, Kim's Kim, great. Kim Wexler. No, 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 no. She, she's a great actress. She's a great actress. Yeah. The woman, okay. yeah. Rhea Such Seahorn, is like the is best. Yeah. Incredible actress. She's yeah. she's really good. But the character is uneven. Like she's this good person that cares about all her clients, but then That's she's like yeah. so immoral. And and it's supposed to be like, oh, this explains why she's attracted to a low life like Saul. But like Saul is so uneven too. Like I just don't buy him as a person. I just don't buy that dude as an actual human. It's 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 an uneven character. It was like a joke of a character. Then you're supposed to feel for him with his brother, but you never even really got what he felt about that completely. It was so like disjointed. It's just weird. He's just a weird guy. Like that doesn't like a ringing endorsement then. No, but I, so those are the two worst characters, the two main characters. But Lalo is badass. Love that guy. Makes and up they, for it. <laughs> love that guy. I like Nacho. I like Lalo. I like Mike. Obviously, Mike's a great character, and he's a little bit more consistent. You know, Gus is whatever who he is. He's the, yeah. I think Lalo was originally like not even supposed to be nearly this size of a character, but the actor they got was just so damn good. Dude, like, so oh, badass. We're not going to lose this. We're going to go ahead and milk this. Such a badass that guy. <laughs> yeah. And he's so smart, which is what you like. Yeah. But the thing is, like, what's messed up is like obviously everyone knows. I don't think it's a spoiler that Lalo, Kim, Lalo, Kim, and Nacho are not in Breaking Bad. 
Right. Yeah. No, what happens? I know. No, it's it. And, it's, and, right. and we have end dates. So we're like, it's going to be so good to see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. So really it's sure. like, it's like, you know, those guys aren't it? Now maybe they went off to Australia or something and they're just not part of it, but we well, don't, yeah, some people, some people want to believe that a Saul comes home to Kim every night, <laughs> some people, but uh, I don't, I don't. Oh, right. Cause he never, but isn't it getting like a full release massage in the, uh, parlor yes, yes there's one yes there's one thing that i have to explain of, of that right yes right there's one of those but that's yes. yeah he's getting i shouldn't say he's getting a craft in the uh in the massage right. parlor so like you know he yeah i don't really i don't really get his character entirely like i don't really see it as coherent as a human it's not that he's good and bad or he has two sides to him. people are like oh he's complex you know tony soprano totally got that character you know the good and the bad like he made sense completely as a human I don't really see Walter White made sense to me. Saul, I don't yeah, quite, I, doesn't add defense, up. In their defense, I mean, they tried to backtrack and they made a prequel here, which is a great degree of difficulty is extremely high. And now their argument saying Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad. It, so it's really it's good. Not, no, I, even characters, what I'm saying, when they suddenly had to start from an origin that they had never planned before after writing, you know, eight seasons of him afterward, you know? No, I, I get it. I get it. But they chose to use him. You know, that was the right. that was the lens no, through which they wanted to do it. No, those are fair arguments. I get what you're saying. I I, again, I think it's a great show. So I, I'm not. You know, I think it's totally worth watching. But the, the, and even when these makers aren't don't have as much story, which I don't feel like they do, they've just gotten so good at making television. It's just like they're just kind of showing off now. I don't know. Even the scenes that are that just the, the gratuitous with the music background, I just love. I just love that show. No, it's great. It's I, and I love being in that world. Even that the Jesse Pinkman movie was decent. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like amazing, but it's decent. It was like you're back in the world, right. and and I and yeah, it's it's great. It's just that again, like the least interesting part is like the Kim and Jimmy interactions. It's like the least interesting part of it for me. I agree. I, agree. I do like Jimmy getting uh, what do you call it uh, harassing that other guy who offered him the job. I've watched it longer ago than you. I forgot what's yeah. the, the other guy. You know, uh, threw a bowling ball in his car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Harry uh, Hamlin or whatever. What's his name? Hamlin. Pretty funny, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Anyway, glad no, no, you it's not, it's not, like What's it. his name? I don't, that's not his name. But anyway, he's uh, that dude is funny. They just they mercilessly destroy that dude. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to fastly look it up here, but it's too slow. Yeah. Anyway, let's good good times talking to you, man. And uh, hopefully we uh, okay. Yeah, Howard Hamlin. Howard, Howard Hamlin. Howard Hamlin. That's Howard. what it is. Yeah, 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 that guy. Howard. It's funny. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah, good talking, and uh, we'll uh, reconvene next week. Hopefully. Uh, Another domino hasn't dropped by then. Yeah, seriously. All right, man. Later, let's take it easy, man.